Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Over the Top Cycling in Boulder, Colorado. You know, one of the things I love about my job is just meeting all the wide variety of people that I come into contact with and then asking questions because I'm nosy and I really love to find out about people. And last week uh, I was at Ruben's Burger Bistro in Boulder, Colorado and uh, doing an interview with Polly Dawkins from the Davis Finney Foundation because the Davis Finney Foundation has a ride coming up, Ride the Rockies, where they have a team that's going to be out uh, raising awareness for the Davis Finney Foundation and Parkinson's disease. And one of the riders, Greg Lair, happened to be there, who really caught my attention uh, because Greg happens to have Parkinson's and really went against everything I would say that uh, is stereotypical with the disease. Greg, want to welcome you to the show. Thanks very much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. It, when I saw you, and I hate to even say this, but I had no idea you had Parkinson's. And I use the phrase, I hate to say that, because what, like someone with Parkinson's is supposed to walk around with a sign that says, I have Parkinson's. Do you ever hear that, Greg? Well, what, uh, what that reminds me of is, is there are, are many stages to, to the disease and many stages to um, the journey with the disease. Um, and... And you, you happen to find me at, at, a, at a stage with, with the disease that I have, I have just accepted uh, the disease. I've accepted the variety of uh, symptoms that it, that it has. And I don't fight. I, I don't fight against them. Uh, the, the, acceptance, the acceptance of those symptoms um, often deliver me right past them without, without actually manifesting those symptoms in my body. So um, it's a very powerful thing that, um, that I have somewhat stumbled upon uh, just, just with just with wanting to get on with my life and be happy and, and live my life uh, you know, at a compel- in a compelling way. Um, so... Now you say get on with your life. I mean, what's that like though when you're diagnosed with something with a name and a stigma like Parkinson's disease? Oh, it's uh, it's a it's an express trip to rock bottom. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, my diagnosis in 1994 was after many years of, probably after four or five years of struggling with, with ever-increasing symptoms. Um, but those symptoms at that, the, the phase of the journey at that time was ridiculously lack of acceptance. I mean, panic, you know, when, when, when symptoms would pop up, they were often accompanied with panic and, you know, because of the lack of understanding of what was happening. Um, and <clears throat> so the diagnosis, while it was a, a trip to rock bottom in a hurry, it was also, uh, you know, moving through phases and, and, and uh, you know, necessary phases. Um, and, and uh, you know, one of the things I hope to... I hope to achieve in my in sharing my story is is really changing the the dynamic of that of that first um, visit to rock bottom where where you, you are informed that that you have uh, you have Parkinson's. I mean, it is not a death sentence, and I have dis- I have discovered that it is actually a, a bright, beautiful place, um, or can be. Now, something like Parkinson's, you, you're told, Greg, you have Parkinson's disease, and I doubt you had ever studied that in the past, uh, really knew anything about it. So all of a sudden, you're hit with this, this disease that maybe you have an impression of, but you really don't know anything about. Um, and you said, you know, you descend right to rock bottom. I can't imagine what that must be like to just have this incredible amount of stress dropped on you out of the blue. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, so it's, it's not exactly out of the blue because you're dealing with symptoms and you're looking for, you're looking for, you know, rationale behind them. Um, but my rationale was woefully not, not close to, to a Parkinson's diagnosis. I was hoping that I needed to actually drink a little more Gatorade you know, maybe my electrolytes were out of balance, and the Gatorade would do the trick. And uh, so, you know, the 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 the, mis- the mismatch in expectation and and in hope and emotional um, just my my emotional state when when the doctor walked in and said, "Well, of course you have Parkinson's." After her, after the nurse had uh, successfully tickled my symptoms to a degree that were that was both embarrassing and and scary, um, you know, for the last thirty for the previous thirty minutes, um, to have someone walk in and just say, matter of fact, that you have Parkinson's was um, was difficult to say the least, um, and. And you know, and and what follows is is a long period of um, what I what I I, I, would, I would call um, I was playing poker with my life. I thought you know I, I have a really shitty hand, and you know, Lord knows I'm not going to play. I'm not going to be on this. I'm not going to be at this table, this poker table, very long um, because shitty hands don't stay around, right? And, uh, but as long as no one calls me, I'm going to just go on and pretend like I have a decent hand. I was planning on getting married. We were buying a house. 
I thought, this is all just ridiculous. I mean, who, who buys a house with Parkinson's? Who gets married with Parkinson's? But I, I didn't want to go there until I was absolutely forced to. So I was just going to wait until everyone, you know, I was asked to show my cards, and then I would leave the game. Um, thank goodness that, that, um, that I saw Davis, and Davis went public with his, with his struggle with Parkinson's or with his diagnosis. Um, and that meant the world to me. What was your life like up until the point of diagnosis? Well, um, I, I generally, um, had a charmed existence. I mean, I, I was an incredible athlete. I, um, you know, 2% body fat. I got what a job I wanted. I got the, you know, I was... Second, I graduated second in my class at Cal Poly. I, I you know, I, I would make snap judgments. If you didn't look me in the eye, you were a freak. If, uh, if you had a tremor, you were certainly a freak. Um, and you know, there was there was no compassion, very little understanding about what other people might be going through uh, in their in their day to day journey. So, um, yeah, it was. Um, it was, it was a, um, it, the beginning of those symptoms was, was a, the beginning of the crack in, in, in my perfect, uh, thing in my perfect, you know, my, I was, you know, I had a perfect record in, in what I would consider a perfect record in life. And I, I wasn't really paying much attention to those around me that, that seemed to be struggling because I just didn't understand like, what's, what's the struggle. Um, uh, you know, and then, and then the diagnosis came, and um, or, or leading up to the diagnosis, it just just started started to come unglued. I um, I remember sitting and going to get my hair cut, and um, you know, you sit there, you you take your you take your seat, they put that little you know, that little cape over you, and that cape hides most things except a, a shaking knee. And I started to panic over that shaking knee. Like, why can't I control my my leg? And you know, when when panic hits, you know, the whole game changes. Um, my heart started racing. You know, the whole nine yards of the, the classic panic attack. I would have, I would imagine. And I actually got up and ran into their bathroom and looked at myself in the mirror and thought, "What is happening here?" You know, I. I can't get my hair cut anymore. So. You know, and you're making me think these days, barbers finish off your haircut with a, a straight edge, shaving the back of your neck. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I can't control my movement. What am I thinking when that's happening? Well, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, there's nothing in life that has prepared you to not be able to control your head or your or your legs or your feet, nothing. No, I mean there has, you know, um, I mean it's it's just it's so far out of bounds of what you expect at twenty nine or actually twenty seven, um, and and no one has there is no there are no allowances for this. No one said no one says hey it's okay you know. We all lose control of our body once in a while. You know, that, 
that sentiment is just not there. And the panic and the and the confusion and the you know and the um just the outright fear that it starts stacking up um around, you know, is this when when will this happen? When does this happen? Why does this happen? Um I um you know, fast forwarding a, a bunch of years just to just to put a point on one of the things I said earlier about acceptance. Um I I started to um try to well I, I began looking into meditation and um my first attempt at meditation was I, I sat on I sat on my bed, leaned up against the headboard and my body just went crazy. It went out of control. I mean, I've never had that type of shaking ever. And uh, it scared me. I mean, it scared me. And um, I, I had a appointment with my with my therapist uh, the next day, and who was actually helping me kind of integrate meditation into my life. And um, and um, he just said, "Well, let, you know, maybe that's just your route, your journey with meditation. Maybe it's you know." Maybe that's just all, that's just what what you get to do. He goes, so try just allowing it to be, and not try don't try to stop it. Just try to just become the observer and just see what it does. So the next day, I, uh, I sat myself down, and, and sure enough, it, you know this huge amplitude shaking just starts ripping through my body. And I said, well, okay, that's okay. I'm I'm okay with that. And in an instant, it stopped. And uh, and that I've never seen that that type of tremor before, uh, since that that point of, of of coming to the realization that you know I do have a disease that that produces shaking and so a variety of modes of shaking you know are are, are you know a rather realistic expectation to 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 get used to or to allow in my day. So what was it like when this first started for you though? You're you're in your late twenties and like you said at the very beginning, you, you were hoping that this was uh this could be cured by oh taking in some more Gatorade or an electrolyte imbalance. What was it that really made you decide I need to go see a doctor and, and get this checked out? Oh well it was a it was a variety of um tremors in my leg and in my hands um, and my inability to to, to stop them um, you know you um, I mean I went from well many years before the, the significant tremor started you know I knew something was going on because I was a I was a kind of a finely tuned athlete I mean I I was an excellent runner, a talented cyclist, um, you know, swimmer. I, you know, whatever I wanted to do, I did, and I did well. And um, you know, I, everything, my my complete identity was wrapped up in my physical ability, um, the body that I had, the two percent body fat. And I come back to that, but it, it's when you when you when 
when you haven't really thought life through um, in, a, in a kind of a, a holistic, uh, big picture way, you you start. I mean, I think you just camp uh, your feelings of well-being and personal personal uh, well-being. You you put those and associate those with with your best stuff. You know, oh, I'm. I'm really good because I've got 2% body fat. Not many people have that. I'm like, runner, blah, 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 blah. And when your body starts, you know, not not behaving the way it has for 25 years, um, you, you, you kind of, I mean, I, I knew something was going on a long time before. I mean, just the, the stiffness clenched muscles in my leg when when that wasn't an appropriate you know, thing to have happening. I was studying, you know, sitting there in the library. Why are my legs stiff and clenched? Um, so it, it's, yeah, it, it, it just kind of catches you completely off guard. And, um, and, and, but deep down, I think you, I think you kind of know something's going wrong. And if it's the first time this, you know, your body is, is doing this, um, and if it's your first kind of encounter with your mortality, if you will, um, it, it's it's a difficult thing to to go through. Now you were saying you were playing poker after you got the uh, the diagnosis, and that you if you get a bad hand, you you're out. Um, can you go into that a little bit more? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that the at the outset of, of you know being diagnosed with Parkinson's, I thought I couldn't imagine that. You know, when I was, so I was 29 at the time. I couldn't imagine really, really making a life of what I thought I knew about Parkinson's. So I, I, I mean, just on, in, a, in a in a basic sense, I I thought I would be committing suicide when it got really bad. I, I just thought I'd, in some way, I would take myself out of the game because I, I didn't see much. I didn't see any value in in the struggle in the struggle from like you know whether it was 35 and six years from 35 to however old i got and I, I couldn't imagine i couldn't imagine a day in and day out living an existence with what i was beginning to see what, what and understand my life to be um but thank goodness that that you know that one, um, so the truth is, is that that, that person was never going to survive. The, uh, the Greg that got diagnosed was, he was, his, his days were numbered. And, and I, I, you know, it requires a complete transformation, a complete acceptance and rebuilding of, of who and what you think you are um, to move forward. There was a powerful, um, someone asked me a really powerful question once. Uh, they asked me if, if I could go back in a time machine to the day before I was diagnosed. What would I tell, what would I tell myself to, to make the, you know, to, to make it easier on, on me, to make the, you know, just to get me to, to a good place in a, a quicker, straighter route. And, and the answer, my answer to that is, Greg, you will not survive. 
the you that you thought you were going to live, the life that you thought you were going to live, is no more. And the quicker and the quicker one accepts that, the faster you can get on to the rebuilding, rebuilding and recrafting who you are. And how has that happened? Well, so early, early on, uh, I'd say probably within. So the, I think the the period of denial started to subside around. Um, I'm going to say probably around five, four or five years into the whole thing, and I, you know, in an attempt to just fix a couple of things that, that seemed egregious now that I had a very limited number of good days left, my personal anger and, and, and the anger that, that manifests itself when I played tennis. Tennis is one of the things that I absolutely love. Uh, it's just one of my passions. And I, and I would get really angry on a tennis court. I got really angry quite easily on a tennis court. And I just thought, you know, I want to be... I don't want to be angry in these in these few days as I'm descending into this degenerative disease and things are just getting worse. I thought I just want to have a couple of days that are anger free, and and that was a that was that first journey that that Parkinson's motivated to fix to fix something that I don't know that I would have ever had the the courage, tenacity, and dedication to fix and uh you know without something like parkinson's driving that and then tell us what it was like when you met davis finney first of all did you know of davis finney uh you said you were a bike rider when you were growing up uh, and oh, yeah. he was an awfully good one during the 80s and 90s and... Yeah. <laughs> yeah he um i i followed his career in, in kind of a laissez-faire fashion but I knew he was the captain of the 7-Eleven team. I knew they were the first team to be invited to the Tour de France. Um, I, I kind of knew a lot by osmosis and just by being a, a, a good cyclist. Um, you know, just kind of picked this up here and there. And when I moved to Boulder, um, I had several uh, friends try to introduce me to Davis, but you know, he's a busy guy, and I... And I and we never, we never actually hooked up, and we never. Um, I, I, those introductions just kind of, um, for whatever reason, didn't didn't have their timing right. Um, until I, um, just this past year, um, this last Christmas, I was calling a friend that I'd met over the internet, uh, a guy named Paul Ruby, who has Parkinson's and, and has a foundation, and it was merging his foundation with Davis's. Uh, and he gave me an introduction to Davis, and and the timing was good. Uh, he re- Davis responded really quickly and connected me with Polly Dawkins from his foundation. And and Polly called me up one day and said, "Hey, Davis is up in your neighborhood, up near Aspen, up in Aspen, and uh, you know if you're." Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. 
no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Interested in uh, giving me a call, you know, here's his number, or you have his number. He gave me his number. And uh, so I called him, and, and we set a time, and I drove up to, to a place the house that he was staying in Aspen, and um, we spent four four hours um, uh, just sharing, you know, with most, mostly me sharing um, the background story of, of of the comment I made, you know, early on in our conversation, which was, I love Parkinson. <laughs> that kind of elicited a quizzical look from him, and... Um, and we spent the next four hours delving into why I love Parkinson. Um, but one other, one other thing, I, I mean, a very important part of, of Davis and, and his impact on me well before we met was that his public struggle, his willingness to go public, and, his, and, the, and the look of like, hey, he doesn't look like a broken human when he's up there talking, and, and he has, I can see his symptoms. And if he can do that, maybe I can do that. And he took suicide off of my list. He helped me take that off my list. I'm thinking of you saying, I love Parkinson's, whereas just a few minutes ago you said when you were 27, if someone didn't look you in the eye or someone was shaking, you, you wouldn't want to have anything to do with them. And... Now the tables have turned, and you actually love the disease. What? How did that change come about in you? Well, um, you know, after um, after I after I had a, my first success, well, it, it all kind of hinges on that first success with anger. When I realized the, the I, I remember the day I chose not to become angry had a situation that had spiraled me into anger on so many occasions. Um, my first wife, um, when I would try to initiate intimacy, um, and she, if she wasn't, you know, if she wasn't into it, and, um, I would often spiral into this, this really dark place with anger. And I would get angry at myself for the most part, for not just not being, you know, able to deal with, you know, hey, it's, you know, it, you know, you tried to initiate something and there wasn't a uh, favorable response. But that's what, I mean, she's not saying she doesn't love me or anything. It's just, you know, there's a variety of things that are reasonable explanations as to why someone doesn't want to share an intimacy in a certain moment. Um, so, as, you know, when I, when I made the choice to not go into that spiral and, um, that was a that was a game changer, and I started pointing that um, at all kinds of places in my life and in my behavior 
you know, that, and, and the realization was is that Parkinson's was at the core of why I was able to, to gut that long, uh, that long road to figuring out how to just choose to be happy. Um, so, um, you know, I think, I, I think the, where I was and, you know, how I got from, uh, you know, from that no compassion place to a place where I can say I love Parkinson's, um, it, it hinges and it builds on, on that ability that Parkinson's helped me identify in me to just choose, you know, I, I began asking myself, which I, this question I've never asked myself before, but what do I really want? You know, as I was, as I was on the precipice of, of becoming angry or making choices in my behavior, I would just say, I would stop and say, what do I want? Uh, and, and if I want to be intimate with my wife, does spiraling into that anger pit, does that really help me get there? Well, no. Pretty clear that that doesn't. Um, and I started realizing that, that so much of my life, my actions weren't aligned with the things I just actually really wanted. So I started realigning. I started aligning my behavior with with my desire, you know, with just flat out, you know, if, if, if I started to feel angry, I re- and I started to realize that anger really comes from a place of just of hurt and not you know, a, a lack of understanding. So I just started to... I started to allow those to be and not try to fix them in that moment uh, and just and just try to become the observer and let them let them be and, and just watch them and see what they do and see what color they are and see how they feel and uh, and eventually that leads to to a mindfulness that um, and an understanding that you know that something that brings the, something that brings the depth and, and tenacity that Parkinson's brought to me, um, you know, that's something worthy of love. So, um, you know, I, I started I started moving towards that that kind of a, a, a response to Parkinson's, and then and then it, I combined that with this technique of. You know, when I'm confused in the moment, like I don't know exactly how I should respond to life, I, I, I this is where the TED Talk uh, notion comes in. I would, I would say, hey, well, what do you want to say about this moment in your TED Talk five years from now? You know, so I'm, you know, I'm going to give a TED Talk, which terrifies the living daylights out of me, the thought of getting up in front of people. But I thought, okay, so in my TED talk, I want what I want to say something about this moment and this and this period in general. What do I want to say? Well, I want to say I love Parkinson's because I thought that was the most outrageous thing ever. So I I, I started working on making that true. I just um, you know I, I knew how to make choices that aligned with what I wanted. So. Um, that skill, the skill that Parkinson's helped me develop early on, just I started leaning on that skill daily to manifest my love of Parkinson's. That's very interesting because love, and it sounds like you've really 
turned you've become at peace with with where you are but not just staying where you are moving forward um but the little i know of parkinson's i believe stress and anger and and those types of emotions would really affect the symptoms is that true oh yeah well i mean in in the very high level sense um i started to realize that any anything short of love in your body um would produce a, a chemistry and a and a place for symptoms to take uh, to to find purchase. Um, I mean, I started really managing the ins- my inside, the love of myself, uh, and love of everything that was in me. You know, so it, it doesn't make any sense when you know when you know that that, that the brain, that the chemistry, the body chemistry of happiness. And the body chemistry of uh, just the peace, a body that is at peace with the world. I, I mean, I started to believe and, and really rest on the notion that that was helping battle Parkinson's as much as any medication I was taking, as much as exercise I was, I was endeavoring to, to do. It, you know, that this was one of the key elements in my in my. Uh, journey with Parkinson's was, look, to compromise my internal chemistry of happiness and love by saying, okay, I love all of me except that goddamn Parkinson's piece, that just, that it became clear that that, that wasn't in alignment with the rest of my, the rest of the things that I was starting to believe and trust in and put, um, put you know, really lean on in terms of uh, my behavior and my lifestyle and my my dealing with Parkinson's. So, um, so back to your question about what, how does anger and, and those negative vibes, how do they affect Parkinson's and the symptoms? Well, um, in, in, you know, in a classic, uh, I don't know if a doctor would say, uh, I think they'll say that stress doesn't help, and um, but I, I have a bit of a more detailed take on it that that you know anything that anything that seeks to change or or you know on, on the spectrum of your body your body and your body chemistry happiness and, and the chemistry that is associated with that um, on one end of the spectrum and, and you know self hatred and and anger and the chemistry associated with that you know anything you do that pulls you away from the love the love end of the spectrum um, just serves to make make the disease uh, more difficult and, and more powerful. Uh, so I, I just began to to really systematically system, systematically um, weed out and ferret out those things that that um, that were causing me to pull away from from just being a hundred percent. Um, pure love and acceptance, um, and I just I started converting those into you know, uh, something that, that was more aligned with what I what I felt was really going to be my road and my journey, which was I, I want to be able to stand up in that TED talk and say, look, I love this, I love the entire thing. There's nothing about this in my life and in, in me that that generates any anything short of love. Um, now you were very athletic. You were a rider. You loved tennis. 
what was back in the early 90s, what was the medical establishment's attitude toward being active? Well, it was, it was, so, um, I wasn't even, so when I was diagnosed in, in, in those first, say, 10 years, you know, as, as I kind of ambled along and, and my symptoms didn't get more, didn't, didn't progress and, and it didn't appear degenerative, you know, I had, I had doctors say, well, you know, keep on, keep on that exercise um, and, you know, here's your refill for your prescription and that, that was pretty much it, the extent of, and, and I, my, my whole relationship with the medical community um, for probably the first 15 years was was just about getting a prescription. You know, when when one ended, when one expired, you know, you just. Um, I mean, I went years without seeing a neurologist. I, I forced my neurologist to re re um, up my prescription. Uh, you know, over the, over as a request of the the pharmacist, and you know, for several years, and so she would get kind of annoyed and said, "Look, you got to come in, and and, uh, and we got to. I want to check you out, make sure things are going okay." Um, the medical, you know, the medical. Unfortunately, there are very few doctors and and people in general in the medical community that that really took a, a genuine interest. Um, I mean, I think, I think there's just, you know, there's other things going on that, that drive their, their attention and behavior. Um, and seeing me was, didn't seem like it, was, it really made it to the top of anyone's list, any of my neurologist list. So, and I was, and I was enjoying life. I was, and I was finding a way to enjoy life, um, with, you know, in spite of, mostly in a state of denial, um, you know, for the, for the most part, in those, in, those, in those years, you know, prior to, say, 90 or um, 2008 or 2009. So what's it like for you to go out and play tennis now? Can you still have that perfect game? I'm a much more dangerous. I'm, a, I'm actually a better player now with Parkinson's. I'm much more dangerous because a well, let me let me back up a, a step or two. One of the things that I, I took um, very seriously early on was when I asked myself, "What do I want?" and, and I want to be happy. And and when you when you, when you hear someone say, "I just want to be happy," that that seems kind of surface-ish. Um, but I'm, I'm, when I say I want to be happy, I'm saying I want to be happy, the notion of happy, which is on the other side of complexity. So it's not that simple notion of being happy. Oh, I got, oh, I'm just happy. I'm not, I, uh, you know, just aced my whatever test or I just got a new car. That makes me happy. I'm talking about the happy on the other side of a, of a huge stretch of complexity, which is, I want to be happy. I want to be content. I want to enjoy life. I, I don't want to be angry. You know, it, it, it come that that notion. My notion of happiness that 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 I answered the question of what do I want to what do I want. It was it was the you know the higher order happy, and um, so in the pursuit of that, I I I started looking at things that might derail happiness, which. 
first one that came up was, well, you know, if I've got Parkinson's and I love tennis, then I, I can't be, I can't put my happiness on how, on how I perform when I walk out on a tennis court. So happiness can't be about whether I made a shot or not. Happiness just has to be locked in. When I go play tennis, it has to be just the happiness of being able to go play tennis. So I spent a lot of time uh, crafting and, and, and working on that feature of my, of my personality. And today, when I walk out on a tennis court, A, I know I'm going to have a great time regardless of how I play. And that frees me up to actually play really good tennis. And, and one of the things that I've made a life of doing is um, the aesthetics of whether it's cycling or tennis or fly fishing, there is an aesthetic to, to a movement, to a body's movement. And I, I, I identify and I get so much joy out of executing you know, my one-handed backhand I mean, and whether I make the shot or not is not important. Um, you know, I derive, I, I allow myself to derive pleasure and joy and happiness from from just the mere execution on my side, and and then I allow myself to derive happiness from en- and energy and excitement from your execution if you're a, if you're the person across the net, um, and and that and that all amounts to a detachment of how of my performance from my sense of well-being which actually allows me to play my best tennis, better tennis than I've ever played, than I ever played without Parkinson. Um, I'm just a dangerous tennis player when, 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 you know, when I don't really care if I win or lose, and I'm just getting out there enjoying the execution of my backhand, well, I, I notice that my backhand goes ripping up the line or cross court, and you can't touch it. <laughs> Um, because I'm not, I'm not attached to whether you can touch it or not, or whether you get to it. I mean, that, there's a powerful notion in there around, you know, letting go of, of the need or the outcome of anything in particular, and just allowing the, allowing your yourself to be in an experience and learn from that, and just be there with that experience. Um, I think Parkinson's was probably created by a Zen Buddhist. Now, you're out on Ride the Rockies. You're wearing a Davis Finney Foundation jersey. Uh, Part of why you're out there is to talk about Parkinson's. Uh, What do you say to someone who rides up alongside you and asks, what's the Davis Finney Foundation do? What, you know, why should I give them any money? What's your, what's your one minute spiel to that person? A lot of there, there are thousands, tens of thousands of people that have Parkinson's that don't, that struggle every day um, with with the difficulty that this disease poses for an individual. And the Davis Finney Foundation simply seeks to to help and and make those daily struggles less and spread awareness of of how to move through the phases. Uh, um, of the disease and of, of one's response to the disease to get to where you can say, hey, I'm at peace with this, um, and, I, and it's, my life is beautiful and I love my life. They, that's what the Davis Finney Foundation is all about, getting you to be able to say, um, you know, 
I love Parkinson's. I think I think you know. I don't know. I don't know that Davis would actually say that, but um, I think they want to move the ball along that along that direction, um, and and that's why there's such a high alignment with with um, myself and the Finney organization, and um, they've got such great people, and, and the volunteers and the people that work there are just amazing in their in their spirit and in their willingness to do you know to do and. Uh, do whatever it takes to to get those to get that message out uh, and help people in a daily in a daily sense. Where's Greg Layer moving forward? Well, I, I think for me, um, you know, I've got I've got a uh, I started a, a business of several years ago, and um, and I have really high hopes that, that business is going to yield. Uh, uh, a very happy financial picture, um, and I, I really hope to to make a significant dent in the Parkinson's community by donating lots of money to 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 a variety of, of organizations to achieve um, you know both that notion of an individual's connection to a happy, compelling life worth living, um, but also I'd like to use my expertise in the web in the web world uh, to create facilities that that that, uh, that make community and connecting with the community a little easier and 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 seeks to reduce the amount of isolation that, that Parkinson's uh, people with Parkinson's actually experience um, and then on top of that, I think the key to a lot of that also is just getting out, telling my story. Um, it's amazing that um, since you know, since uh, four or five years ago, I, I told my story to to the church that I attend, the Unitarian Universalist Church that I attend. That has been a transformative experience. Uh, I before that, I, I was so fearful of being in front of people and and now there is such a level of acceptance and and i i'm so excited to share my story and to share it in a way that that is both palatable and and connective um, between me and my the audience um i i just that that is going to be a large part of my life going forward Gregory Lair, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with us. Best of luck to you on Ride the Rockies in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.